This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We've had Victory Monday. We're rolling through Victory Tuesday as we record now. Hell, let's do Victory Wednesday, Victory Thursday, Victory Friday. Let's ride this wave until Sunday, 3.05 Eastern, Arrowhead Stadium against Kansas City Chiefs. We got a ball game to talk about. We're going to start flipping the script here later in the show with John Costco from PFF. We're going to talk a little bit about John's initial reactions. We'll get the offense, some surprising grades, the defense, the job done there, grades-wise, scheme-wise, by certain players, by defense coordinator Joe Woods. And then we're going to start flipping that page ever so much towards the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, appreciate you all for being along for the ride. Um, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Lockdown Browns, subscribe, rate, review. John, <clears throat> I don't even, you know, and this has been the best part about these last couple of shows, whether it's Pete, a lifelong Browns fan, Mark Sessler yesterday, a lifelong Browns fan, obviously you and being around this franchise and studying it, what you do for a living. John, take us through the first couple of steps, the beginning, uh, the momentum building, maybe a little bit of trying to find if you had any fingernails left late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, to that final realization Sunday night that not only did you finally get Big Brother, you basically whooped Big Brother's ass. Go ahead, Johnny. Yeah, I uh, I was I was four months old when uh, my parents, you know, first had me watching the Cleveland Browns. And uh, ever since then, uh, I can't remember a sweeter victory. Why did you do this to me? <laughs> I can't remember a sweeter victory than this, to be honest. And, you know, there's the 89 opener where the Browns won 51 nothing. That might be one of the greatest games of all time. But um, this one was just, just especially as a uh, an adult life, the, the the pure jubilation that you'd have from from this victory, um, the, the two decades of, of misery. Uh, 17 straight losses on the road to this opponent and then to go into their house and just boat race them. And I know that this final score is 11 points, but it was a 19 point game until, you know, they had some desperation, you know, uh, you know, desperation fourth down throws and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, from the very first snap of the game where it went over his head, it was like, it was almost as if like, it's like, do, do you, you know, Al should have come out there with, do, do you believe in miracles uh, lines uh, and everything is what it felt like. And because uh, it, it really, it really did. Because you th- talk about the COVID situation all week long and not having your head coach and both your offensive line coaches and uh, just no, almost like basically a walkthrough practice for Friday. You have a backup, you know, third string guard and, and they're in, in place of your all pro uh, and then him going down and having him have play well and and not give you know not giving up any pressure in his time that he was there, uh, just unbelievable feeling. As soon as and people could probably follow along on my Twitter as as I, as how excited it was. And as soon as I was able to finish up the game as I was working it basically as as it live, uh, you know I basically ran out into the into the neighborhood and probably woke up every every house in a you know in a quarter mile range. So um, it was. It was an incredible feeling for sure. Great, great way to get the the monkey off your back, um, and great, just a great team victory in terms of just putting all the doubters, you know, the silence in us all of them. So it was, it was, uh, it, it couldn't have asked for a better Sunday night. 
Yeah, for me, it's usually like a, you know, like a, like a, a two or three run step, and then just throw like the absolute haymaker of a right. Um, I'm pre- pretty sure that you know I may be on the off-season IR with some sort of labor labrum issue, but whatever. Um, and for the coming weeks, whatever. I've got a left arm. I'll find a way to make that work. Collarbone. The next day, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was just really sore. So. <laughs> Um, but John, I mean, here on the offensive side of the ball, you know, just a couple of the players in this. Um, look, Baker Mayfield obviously lights in a way, you know, light years his greatest game against this franchise, you know, albeit in a, in a smaller sample size here in year three. Um, you mentioned Michael Dunn, um, an incredible story there, but uh, actually played pretty well. Kendall Lamb getting thrown into like, you know, if you're the backup, it's like, oh man, you know, you want to play, you want to play, you want to play. You're the backup right tackle. Um, the one game where maybe you don't want your number called is Pittsburgh. Oh, I'm cool, dude. You go ahead, Jack. You do your thing. Oh, wait, I got to go in. I got to take care of TJ Watt. But what these guys did, and everybody obviously was, you know, with this, uh, everybody on another level, understanding the circumstances that were involved. But, I mean, you're talking Michael Dunn. He's never taken a snap for this team. For God's sakes, Baker Mayfield meeting the backup left guard before. And, you know, one of those, wait again, what's your name? Okay, cool. Good, good to meet you. Good to meet you. And then, you know, Kendall Lamb coming in. We've talked about Hayward. We've talked about Tuit. We have talked about TJ Watt for years. And Mr. Collinsworth, the first time I think I remember hearing some of those names is when Chris Collinsworth basically pointed out, we're not mentioning these names. Um, now, Michael Don has been put on IR. Um, congratulations. You will never buy a drink in the city of Cleveland, Ohio for the rest of your life. So great job on that. Um, just a great story, but this offensive side of the ball, and I know everybody makes you know point of the five turnovers, but you got the running backs going, the offensive line even shorthanded. You see the coaching, you see the dedication from everybody, and I don't know what goes on in these Zoom classes, John, but these things might be like Ivy League level because whatever limited amount of time they get on the field, the message is getting across, the lesson is getting taught within these Zoom classes. Um, it is Ivy League level because we have an Ivy League head coach and an Ivy League general manager. So, as John tugged on the the, the polo <laughs> collar of the shirt, Go ahead. <laughs> but um, I think I think that to, to see what the offensive line was able to do naturally, obviously. Uh, so Michael Dunn didn't give up; he gave up one pressure in the game, so one hurry. Um, predominantly, it, predominantly against Cam Hayward, correct? Again, yeah, again, exactly. Cam Hayward or Stefan Tour. It really doesn't matter. Who yeah, either way, the guy was good. Those guys are all excellent. They all are t- top graded guys in in the NFL at, at their positions. And the thing is, is that when it comes to offensive line play, offensive line can be made to look a lot better if the quarterback is also executing at a high level. So it's a it's a yin and a yang thing where they like if the, the offensive line could play really really well, and the, if the if like Baker Mayfield's not reading the defense well and holding on to the ball forever, they'll eventually get beat even if it's late in the snap and it's going to obviously cause pressure. But the thing is, is that Baker was able to help mitigate any issues that there were. Cause think about it. They're, they're not getting, they weren't just clean. So we, we chart issues um, like when uh, offensive linemen's beat, right? So um, like Jedrick Wills was beat five additional times in this game where it didn't chart as a pressure because Baker was able to get rid of the ball. Now that being said, like, like still Blake, Blake Hans didn't give up a single pressure or was beat at all. 
Wyatt Teller was just was just gave up two hurries in this game. Kendall Lamb, he, he just gave up. He was beat three times in this game. Uh, Michael Dunn was just beat five times in this game. Just one of them resulting in a, in a pressure. This is all phenomenal stuff against an elite, elite pass rush. Uh, so the fact that like these guys did not wreck the game, which can easily happen when it when you're talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers, because if if those guys are getting beat like turnstiles inside, like TJ Watt's going to, you're thinking, all right, TJ Watt's is going to obviously get his, you know, half a dozen to a dozen pressures in the game or whatever it is. And he wasn't, he was held in check by, by Conklin and, and lamb. It was, it was, uh, these guys just had a f- fantastic game plan of, you know, when the mix in the, the, the few screens that they did, when they had the, the whole, you know, when Baker would hold the ball a little bit longer for deeper developing routes, mixing in a lot of that quick game, knowing exactly how, you know, where to go with the ball. And then just these guys in the run game as well were, were fantastic. Like Mike, Michael Dunn's grade in this game as, as a run blocker is one of the best for the offense. And, and it's just really inc- impressive. And you talk about like Blake Hans, a guy that, that like literally showed up to the, in, you know, to the team in the locker room before the game. They, like they signed him the day before the game and he played in the game. Like it's incredible. He played 14 snaps and then, you know, he had a 79.2 grade in this game. Michael Dunn, who didn't really ever practice with them had an 82.4 run blocking grade in this game. Second best on the team. Like this is, it's unbelievable type stuff. And, um, you know, you have to be kudos to this coaching staff to just be able to keep these guys to, to, to teach these guys. And then the have, the leadership on that offensive line that you already have in place in JC Treader and, and obviously Jack Conklin, who was the, you know, to, to, for the leadership aspect of that, to, to help these keep, keep these guys going along really, really impressive stuff. Uh, it just, it was just an amazing, amazing night. And, you know, Baker, obviously, and we talked about this a little bit with maybe playing the Steelers was just the best for the overall situation that the Browns were going through. Um, you know, limited practice time, but at least you were playing an opponent you just literally played. So you could say, all right, well, this is what we need to do. And obviously with Baker being sacked four times against the Steelers the week before, not even against their better players. Um, the onus was on Baker himself. Man, I got to get rid of this ball. He did that, um, <clears throat> was able to find, you know, his key targets, you know, when it was a push to shove moment, all right, 80, where are you? Uh, the screen to Nick Chubb. Um, it, it, and that, for me, was kind of like the telling point of the day. Like, the Steelers' offense kept going out there and churning it out. But the two guys crashed into each other. Nick Chubb was still standing, went the last 28 yards or so, and everybody on defense was like, all right, that's it. We've got zero answers for this because even when we're there, we're getting crap luck, like two guys bang into each other, take each other away, and look, there's still a really good opportunity. Nick Chubb was going to break that tackle or potential tackles anyway, but it was the sign from the Steelers defense. Like, look, we just ain't got it today. And whatever these guys do, they do. But Baker Mayfield, whether it was, you know, the limited runs that he did to get out of pressure, but the fact that he put it on himself that said, man, if they got after me and sacked me four times with lesser talent, this ball needs to be in my hands. Like it's hot potato. And that's how fast I got to get it out. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. So in in week 17, Baker's average time to throw was 2.51, which is decently quick. It's not super fast, but it's not super long, right? But anytime he held it past 2.5 seconds, that's when he was getting in the, the danger zone. He was he only completed you know 50 percent of his passes. He was sacked four times. 
when he got rid of it in under 2.5 seconds, he was he was 77% completion. Now, when you go to the to the wild card game, he he averaged 2.21 seconds per drop back. And obviously, we know what happened when with no sacks because they they made an emphasis on the quick game, and he was able to get rid of the ball extremely quickly. He completed sixty seven percent of his passes under two point five. Obviously, no, no sacks, and then you know there are only uh, seven seven attempts where he was over two point five seconds. It was just forty three percent of completion. So they had that they had they went to that game with a game plan of all right, we're just gonna, we got to get rid of the ball quickly. We got to design things you know for short passes. And but it's an all then it's on Baker Mayfield to be able to execute that type of stuff. And he did it and he did it very efficiently. Um, he was able to find his check down option when it was there really quickly. He was able to to, uh, you know, when he, he would drop back, sc- he was scanning the field, find you know, deciphering what the defense was and then took it, took what was given to him. And basically that is the recipe to be able to beat the, this defense, because this defense and we've saw it a number of times where they they it's a complex defense for b- both the offense and the defense, but t- typically, you know, I don't know if you guys remember when Troy Palomalu was obviously on the, on the Pittsburgh series and how much of a wrecking ball he was. Everybody kind of probably remembers that, but the, the, the thing about that team, those teams are, all right, find the safety opposite Troy Palomalu and you're generally going to figure out what deep coverage that they're running is that now all you have to do is kind of find where Mika Fitzpatrick is and you're going to know what the coverage is. So reading Mika Fitzpatrick, you know, if he's deep middle, you're talking, all right, it's single high. You're talking, it's going to be a three or a one. And then if he's deep halves, you're, I mean, it's generally, it's as easy as that. And just keying him and where he's going at the snap of the ball, you're going to figure out what that defense is. Baker's probably, you know, th- third time this year, you've seen him with this, this type of coaching staff that understands what it is that they're looking at with this, this, this team for the third time. No doubt that the reason why they had a great game plan going in and knowing exactly how to, to defeat it and kudos all around to the coaching staff and then Baker at being able to execute and you know obviously the, the offensive line being able to protect it well. Uh, you know, given opportunities, given good field position, the, you know the offense just you know found their mojo. Um, you know, Nick um, for the second straight week against the Steelers looked good. I think an important factor certainly headed into this game against Kansas City, um, where he's going to be extra motivated, not only playing for you know, the city he was raised in, but playing for the team and no judging the team he was released by. We all know the circumstances. Um, Kareem Hunt and getting another, getting a good game under his belt for the first time in a few weeks certainly, uh, you know, bodes well. And we'll get to that in the third segment. We're going to talk a little bit about the Browns' defensive effort Sunday night in Pittsburgh as we continue to roll along on your Wednesday, Locked On Browns, as John Costco, senior Analyst from PFF joins here with your host, Chef Lloyd. You are unique, and so are your taxes. TurboTax Live has experienced tax experts who listen to you, learn about your unique tax situations, and answer your questions. In a year in t- of 2020, I am sure we all have unique situations and certainly a bunch of questions. And on top of all of that, they can do your taxes from start to finish. Maybe you started investing and want some reassurance from an expert that you're doing things right. Maybe you're now self-employed and need some expert advice on what qualifies as a home office deduction. I'm certain many of you are in this situation. Or maybe you'd rather have an expert file your taxes for you so you can focus on what matters most. 
family, continuing to earn money, things of that nature. No matter what your situation is, TurboTax Live tax experts can answer your questions, give tax advice, review your return before you file it, or even do it for you. TurboTax Live gives you confidence that your uniquely you taxes are done right. Intuit TurboTax Live file with the help of an expert or let an expert file for you. Also, folks, um, betonline.ag, um, we have started Locked On Bets in accordance with our po- uh, partnership with betonline.ag. Uh, Browns, I believe it's an early eight and a half point favorite to this point. So go ahead and check out everything on Locked On Bets. John, defensively, um, MJ Stewart, uh, a player stepping up. BJ Goodson, um, a player who's been better as the season went on. Obviously missed the two last two weeks of the season. Confident. Look, I don't. I'm not going to say BJ Goodson's a world beater, but he is a leader on this defense and hustle, tackling part of the repertoire. Uh, you certainly went in there shorthanded. What do you need in a situation like this to get the upset when you're in the position you are? Yeah, turnovers would certainly you know behoove you. You get five of them. Sione Taki Taki with a late pick that kind of probably sealed it. The it wasn't the greatest effort. Still more guys, hopefully, to come back this week. Um, and you can get to maybe more of the personnel you want to play as opposed to the personnel you have to play. But you got to come away from what this defense was able to do Sunday night. And again, this is similar to Tennessee. Uh, I don't want, you know, oh, yes, all this, that, and the other thing. You're not going to go man up against these Steelers wide receivers. So they score six points in seven seconds, as opposed to making them go five, six, seven minutes to get their points. But John, just again, this, you know, the ultimate together, together, which is what everything is preached before a team leaves the locker room. This defense showed that Sunday night. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned B.J. Goodson first. He was a top-graded defensive player for the Browns in the game at a 79.6. And defensively overall, um, you you go up 28 nothing. Like, you kind of go into more of a, all right, cut, let's – if they're going to – they're going to be able to this, – this isn't – so this – they're going to – me, let me collect my thoughts here. They are a good offense if they can throw the ball, if Ben Roethlisberger's on. Obviously, he was not on early, in the, especially in that first half. But when it comes to the second half, all they're going to do is throw the ball. And he's still a Hall of Fame, a future Hall of Fame quarterback that can can throw the ball. And Browns basically kind of made it easier for them because it was like, all right, let's let everything happen underneath. Um, they weren't letting those deep shots go. Um you know, some did happen, but I mean, over the course of 73 passes in a game, like you're going to give up yards. It's going to, stuff is going to happen. They, they, they backed off because it was more of a prevent. I get like the, the notion of, you know, Hey, don't do that. You know, you is, you're mixing up coverages a lot early on. Why, why not keep doing that? Um, well, because we've seen it before, <laughs> this defense can give up a, a 70 yard shot in one go. Um, and obviously we don't want to see that. So we didn't see that. They they the, they were forced to hold on to the ball and have longer drives uh, to to get those scores, which burns the clock. And and at that point in the second half, when you're up by four scores, you your the clock is your your friend, and you want to be able to burn that clock. So um, you know, from a 
you know, from a standpoint of, of, of players playing well, you know, Porter Gustin had, had a good game, uh, 79.1 grade. Uh, even Andrew, Andrew Sandejo was, was solid in this one at a 72.7. Um, Taki Taki, like we, you know, he, you know, he had the pick, which was an excellent play for, by him. Um, unfortunately he did miss a tackle. Um, there were a handful of tackles that were missed in this game. Um, you know, M- MJ Stewart missed three of them, but, uh, but also they, had 10, which is crazy. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. Right. So like, I mean, when you're, when you're going to pass that many times, he's going to get, you know, he got targeted 15 times. So you're going to, you're going to be in a position to make tackles if you're, if you're, uh, getting targeted that many times, but, um, really, like I can't really fault the defense of their performance. You give up, you turn over the ball five times. You know, one of them was self-inflicted by the by uh, you know the snap in the first play, snap of the game. But I mean, you forced four turnovers in this game, which is what you. This is what this defense has been when they're on and they they help this team to go out to leads. They're turning the ball over, and then you in order to to for this defense to play well, they need to be able to continue to do that. Um, which is. You know, it's asking a lot. You're asking for a good amount of luck that the quarterback is, um, you know, struggles to see what you're putting out there. But that's part of it. Like they they forced Ben Roethlisberger into those mistakes. So, um, you know, I, I guess that the, the the giving up 37 points is not a good look. But at the same time, it's like it was 35-7 at one point in the game. So, you know, it's just kind of like the, it's a similar situation previously when they've gotten these massive leads. Um, you just hope that at some point that they would have a massive lead and then finish with a massive lead. Um, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe next year though, when, when they, the talent allows that to happen. So I, I think when you have the talent that they do have, you have to work with what you have and, and just kind of like, you know, hedge your, hedge your losses. Now, John, you had mentioned Porter Gustin, and I do want to uh, talk a little bit here um, you know, with the loss of Olivier Vernon, uh, this defensive line and, you know, going, to Kansas City, facing a player of the ilk of Patrick Mahomes, you're going to have to find a way to collapse the pro- pocket and, you know, hopefully smartly, you know, contain him in with said pocket. Um, can you uh, talk to us a little bit about the pass rush in the absence of, you know, Olivier Vernon and, you know, particularly, obviously, you know, um, <clears throat> Claiborne, you know, you mentioned a little bit about Port Augustine. But Miles Garrett, are we starting to see maybe Miles Garrett shake the funk off of this COVID spell uh, that he had yet? Or because you're going to need this, because if you're going to give Patrick Mahomes this kind of time, it's going to be buckle up city again. So, I mean, one of the differences between, you know, what we're going to see with Patrick Mahomes and Ben Roethlisberger is that Ben Roethlisberger has the quickest time to release this season, whereas Patrick Mahomes is going to hold on to the ball much longer. He's one of the longest uh, time to throw. So when, when Ross, a little bit of backyard style of everybody go deep and eventually I'll find who I'm going to throw to. Right. He, he hangs onto the ball longer and he also takes the, the deepest drops in the NFL where he, he also, he invites a lot of that pressure on himself, obviously because he's Patrick Mahomes and we've seen what he can do. Like it just, it works for him because he's, he's athletic enough to, to run around back there and, and find the open guy and unscramble drills and whatnot. But like Roethlisberger's that game is like as soon as that back foot's hit and Roethlisberger's getting rid of the ball, so it's it's almost impossible for. I mean, you saw it a lot of times in this game for the Browns. They they only rushed three. So like in the terms of like the pass rushing for, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, you're not going to see 
these massive like pressure numbers. So even Sheldon Richardson still got six pressures in this game. Miles Garrett had three. I'd say that Miles Garrett looked good in this game, even though his grade there was a seventy-two point five as a pass rusher, um, and he was in coverage. You also need to keep in mind that these guys were just generally gassed at times with the amount of times Pittsburgh was throwing the ball. But go ahead. Sure, absolutely, and 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 I think I think too like that like they're gassed, and then you're talking about like like I said, with the time to throw, like they're just not going to get after the passer all that frequently just because of the, that fact. So um, they, they were, Miles Garrett was winning a lot on a, on a good number of his pass rushes still. And I think he looked, he looked good. I think I would say, have to say that like in terms of his grade, a 72.5 is not terrible. It's not, you know, to what we're accustomed to with Miles Garrett when he's at his peak, you know, peak condition or whatever. But I, I think in this game, this is one that he's going to, he should be able to feast against a quarterback that holds onto the ball a lot longer on average and an offensive line that does give up a good number of pressures. You know, I guess if Mitchell Schwartz comes back, which, you know, we haven't, he hasn't played in, in you know, eight weeks or whatever it is, um, you know, that, that offensive line is not great. So it's just, it's just a matter of, holding on for just a little bit longer on, in the secondary and allowing this pass rush to get there because it can beat, beat this Kansas City cast rush in, in you know, coming on, on Sunday. Uh, no doubt about it. And we're going to flip the page officially here to the Chiefs. And I have some, you know, questions um, particularly that I want to get to John here with this, which we're going to do as we continue to roll on through Wednesday, Lockdown Browns. You all want to label it Victory Wednesday and keep the party going, folks. <laughs> I can't blame you. One iota. Are we ready for some football? Uh, yeah, I think right now the juices are flowing, and they are flowing insanely. Uh, last night, sadly enough, uh, the NCAA National Championship for most of the Ohio listeners. Uh, my deepest condolences, guys. I, I thought they would give maybe a better showing um, than the final score uh, predicted. Uh, but Ryan Day, I, I think we're all going to be all right there, folks. NFL... Playoffs. We are down to four teams in the AFC. We are down to four teams in the NFC. And crazy enough to say this, yes, your Browns are still alive. There's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, no space, for your 50% welcome bonus. NFL game of the week, your Cleveland Browns. Traveling to see, face the Kansas City Chiefs, 3.05, Sunday. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget, again, to use the promo code LOCKDOWN to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. John, looking to Kansas City. Um, now, you know, I think they're... A little bit less explosive than they were two years ago, maybe last year. Um, and look, they're always a team finding themselves. They obviously thought they were going to get a lot out of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, don't that you dare say they're less explosive. <laughs> don't, 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 don't you dare give them any bulletin board material. <laughs> uh, well, if the Chiefs are listening to this, um, folks, I love your barbecue. It, it, absolutely. My uncle lives out that way. I get this on stuff sent to me. Choice. It's top shelf stuff. Um but, John, there's, these games have been closer for this offense this year um, from Kansas City. Um, the, so most of the faces are the same. Uh, you know, Tyreek Hill, 
uh, Kelsey, I, my God, Kelsey, maybe Kelsey is getting closer and closer to me to maybe being one of the best tight ends I've ever seen because with what he can do physically, I think he's just got this intelligence level of about just knowing exactly where he needs to be when. Um, but as far as grades and you know how these players grade out, you know the, this elite talent they have at the skill position, does the numbers and the production they put up, does it generally translate into the way they grade? Uh, yeah. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is a top graded quarterback <laughs> in the NFL. He's, he's the, uh, was basically number two in the NFL up until, uh, the Atlanta game, which he didn't, didn't have a great game against Atlanta in week 16. Um, but, uh, Cap- Travis Kelsey never won tight end in the NFL. Tyreek Hill, you know, a top wide receiver, you know, so you know, Kelsey is a 93.5. So great. Uh, think about Gronk back to his, his prime when he was, basically the number one in every single year, uh, he never had a, a grade that high. Uh, it's the second highest grade we've seen at the tight end position over in the PFF era behind George Kittles last year. So, um, yeah, T- Travis Kelsey is, is a phenomenal player at that position. He also does it in the run game, too, with a 79.0 run blocking grade, which is excellent for a tight end. Um, yeah, Tyreek Hill – uh, we all know the type of talent is. He runs, you know, a, a three nine forty, um, you know, allegedly. <laughs> um, but he he is legit in that regard. He he's extremely good underneath. He's extremely good deep. Uh, has really good body control and, and ability to catch the ball. Um, you know, at, at the catch point and despite his smaller size. But and then so we know like that all that stuff does like their production and all the, the numbers that they put up, it really does match up in terms of the grades. Um, and then you look at, you know, Clyde Edwards, Larry, yeah, sure. They, they are, they're not as explosive this year as they have been in years past, but they're still very explosive. I, I would have to, you know, their, their efficiency per play is, is still top three in the NFL. It was number, it was number two, you know, you talk about in the past game, it was number two in the past game this year to behind the green Bay Packers. Um, and it's just, for them, it's matter of um, what how you know. Pick your poison essentially in terms of how you're going to stop them because you're not going to stop them. It's just a more matter of you know what are you going to let beat you? Are you going to let Kelsey beat you? Or are you going to let Tyreek Hill beat you? Because both of those guys, you can't you can't double both of them. Um, you might want to try to take a page out of the New England Patriots playbook, who have the ability to press press them in man. Um, and that's the only defense that really has given Patrick Mahomes struggles in his career. But nobody else has the horses that to to be able to match up with him like the Patriots do. So, um, yeah, yeah it's this game in terms of their offensive output um, is going to be it's 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 you're not going to stop it. It's just not going to happen um, because I don't. It's just it's just it's so rare to see it happen, um, and because of the talent that they have. So. Now, John, not everybody can have the number one offensive line in the NFL. And, you know, uh, you know, sorry for you know the pores of the rest of the 31 NFL franchises. This Chiefs offensive line, I, is, is there the opportunity here for this defensive line to get some wins and most, most notably get home um, and create, you know, some momentum that way? Um, that was one of the things that was, you know, kind of missing – Production-wise, Sunday night in Pittsburgh. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. So that we, you know, we talked about this earlier with the time to throw. It's a huge, huge, huge part of being able to get pressure on a quarterback because if you're getting rid of it that quickly, like Ben Roethlisberger does, it's almost impossible to get pressure on the quarterback. We saw it with Baker Mayfield in this game where he got rid of the ball so quickly, it just didn't get pressured. Patrick Mahomes holds onto the ball half a second longer on average than what Ben Roethlisberger does. So that alone tells you, hey there's just that much more time to be able to get after it. You're talking about in a half a second, you, uh, you know, an edge rusher can get another five yards in terms of just a run. Um, you know, so you can, you can get that much closer to the uh, the quarterback. And then you talk about their offensive line. They're going to be without Mitchell Schwartz likely. I mean, I have, I actually haven't um, heard about the, their injury report or anything like that, but he hasn't played in, in two months. So you're talking about, uh, you know, Mike Remmers and Eric Fisher and, uh, you know, the, the Kalecio, is Kalecio assembly hurt? I think he is, right? I think he was down for a while too as well. Yeah, so like they, they just have a lot of issues at, at that then on their offensive line. Eric Fisher's a solid left tackle, but he is uh, he's given up three sacks, eight hits, 23 hurries in, you know, this season. Um, and this doesn't even inclu- include the, you know, Patrick Mahomes by himself has allowed nine sacks, 11 hits, and 33 hurries because he drops back so deep. And he just he does a lot of improv, improvisation when it comes to uh, inviting pressure on himself. So um, it's a you know it's a high risk. There's a, high, a there's a risk reward type thing there with Patrick Mahomes. Like he knows he's going to invite all that pressure on himself, which is which is amazing. He's, he's invited 53 total pressures onto himself, which is more than any uh, you know single offensive lineman on his team. Um, but this still this offensive line unit like an Andrew Wiley at their guard position, 57.1 pass pro grade, not great at all. So um, they, this uh, defensive line should be able to get after Mahomes. Um, it's a, and it's, it's, it could be a recipe to slowing them, him down in a way. Now flipping it over to the, the chiefs on the defensive side of the ball here, John, um, the Browns do bring in a strong, strong running attack. Um, the news is trending well that Joe Batonio will be a part of this Kansas City party come Sunday. Uh, can we find a way to maybe play some ball control here and to limit the amount of time that Pat through the running game, through you know short passing games? So do do me a favor and uh, you know give us some thoughts here about you know, the Chiefs and their ability against the run. And of course, you know, some thoughts here on the Chiefs pass rush and, you know, can Baker you know, duplicate essentially what he did last Sunday to keep the clock going, to keep the Browns offense on the field and hopefully keep 15 with a mask on, ball cap on, scully on, whatever, to keep him off the field as much as possible. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of of, of the, the ball control, like, hey, let's let's control the ball against the Chiefs because like you can control the ball, and, and we, I think we saw this last year in the. And they, I said this yesterday. The Chiefs are in the red zone if they have the ball, but I understand. Right, exactly. Like it, you can you can have an eight. I think it was la- so. It was last year against the Titans in the AFC Championship game where it's like, man, they just had an eight play drive or like a like a ten play drive that went over eight minutes and ended in a field goal. And then the Chiefs went out there in four plays. In one and a half minutes, scored a touchdown, like it in eighty yards. <laughs> it doesn't matter uh, if this offense is clicking. You basically have to be able to score the ball. Um, if that requires you running it efficiently and and 
you know, passing it efficiently. Browns can absolutely do that on offense for, for sure. You look at their, their run defense, you know, they're, they're, 20th in run defense grade they're 27th in, in efficiency allowed per run um so that they're not good in in terms of stopping the run so this should be a uh you know other than basically uh who's their guy they're, they're chris jones like chris jones is, a, is an excellent excellent defender right he's he's one Man, of the best boy. interior just exactly but he's he's very similar to calais campbell and not that he's you know not the player. I mean, you know, some of the stars come off of that, obviously, with age, but very, very similar to a player like Calais Campbell, right? And and a guy that can get after the passer like so, like almost at a, at a, at a rate as good as Aaron Donald from the interior. Like he's not the the talent that it, he is, that is Aaron Donald in terms of that ability. He but he's really really up there. He's like a Fletcher Cox, like you said, uh, Calais Campbell in terms of just that type of ability at the, the defensive interior. So he's going to be a problem. He's probably the best defensive interior defender that the Browns will have faced all year outside of like a Cameron Hayward. Um, and he might be better than Cameron Hayward. That, that's how good Chris Jones is. Uh, Derek Nandi is a solid run defender for them. He's probably their only one. Um, he grades at an 81.7 there, but uh, the, for the rest of the team, they, they do not stop the run very well. And then and you talk about their secondary. Yeah, I know that they have, uh, you know, the Honey Badger and Tyron Matthew, but he's been kind of average this year. He's grading out a 64.1 this year. Um, but he still has, has the talent. And I think this defense does do a lot of good things in terms of mixing up their coverages um, and doing, you know, doing things to confuse a quarterback. But this defense isn't as good as they were last year when they won the Super Bowl. So that's part of the reason why that they haven't, you know, been blowing out teams quite as as frequently as they had last year. And so this defense can be run on, it can be passed on for sure. And I think if Baker Mayfield plays at the same type of level that he's played over the past 407 snaps, which he's graded as the number two quarterback in the NFL over that time, higher than Patrick number Mahomes. Two. Yes, number two. Uh <laughs> behind just Aaron Rodgers, who is likely going to win the MVP this year. That is a recipe. So we're gonna for success. have to start sharing those State Farm commercials. But go ahead. Uh, <laughs> so I think for if Baker Mayfield can play at that level, like this is a very winnable game for the Cleveland Browns. It's I know that the Kansas City Chiefs like that offense is incredibly scary and rightfully so. But the Browns can score with them if they if they're able to if Baker Mayfield is able to play at the level that he's been playing at. And you know I think that's the most positive thing we can say about this franchise. When we start using phrases like if the Browns can play like they are capable of, it's just so weird to say that, John. Um, anything else defensive wise? Is there any player that, you know, you could maybe say, ooh, he could be sort of scary or, ooh, he's a little bit slept upon? Um, not not really. So, you know, you talk about their grades, right? <laughs> Uh, the, so like Legereus Sneed is a rookie this year. He's been playing well, I'd say. So like, he's not a guy that as you look at him as a rookie, Oh, you're, you're going to be able to pick on him. You're not going to be able to pick on him. He's, he's played well this year. He's, uh, you know, he's really played well on the vertical balls. Yeah. So, so he's grading at a 73.8. Um, he's allowed just one touchdown. He has three interceptions, four P, uh, PBUs. Um, Richard Fenton is, is another that's been actually playing, playing well at 75.0 in, in coverage. Um, when you have cornerbacks that are playing at a good level, um, it is it's very beneficial for a defense like that. And even though that it'll you know it allows 
you know, them to be a little bit more versatile in terms of what they do in that secondary. So in terms of guys that scare you, no, they have Chris Jones that scares you and they don't really have anybody else that scares you, but they're, they're not bad. You know what I mean? So like they, they have a lot of just solid pieces on that, in that, on that defense, but nobody that scares you that, but the thing is that like, you're not going to go, all right, we can pick on this guy, um, you know, in, in coverage because they don't, they, they, they're all pretty decently solid across the board, but they're not like really stand out. So if that makes sense, you know, Tano's Tano Casana or whatever, how you pronounce his last name. Um, he might be your weak point on the defensive line for sure. Uh, 55.4, but um, you know, I think they're, I think they're a solid defense, but they're not a great defense and they can be definitely run on and passed on. Um, so, I mean, look folks, the recipe is there. Uh, it's going to be what this team can bring to, you know, this trip to Kansas city. Um, and the other thing is, you know, if you believe that this team from Sunday night can carry this over while bringing their head coach to actually in the building, actually to the game, to bring back a Joe Batonio, to bring back a Denzel Ward, maybe a Kevin Johnson as well, um, to get, you know, it, it's weird to say that in regards to COVID, to get healthy um, you know, as these games start to pick up, this is a really advantageous situation. Um, but bottom line, this is the Kansas City Chiefs. If you want to start talking about being the top of the top of contenders in the AFC, this is who you play. This is who you measure yourself against. This is what you spend your offseason off doing, saying, what do we need? What am I missing to be able to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Right now, they are the holy grail of the AFC. This is, you know, what is in front of you. He one is, thing I one thing, right one ahead, thing yeah. I I you know people are gonna be like, well what about Frank Clark? Frank Clark was grading out I like I completely forgot about him because he just grades out so poorly. So uh people might be like what what are you talking about? It's, he's got forty you know forty five pressures this year or whatever. Well let's talk let's look at those pressures. Fifteen of them are cleanup pressures where the quarterback either just ran into him because the pressure from from Chris Jones was forced the quarterback out of the pocket or is from an unblocked pressure. So uh, six, six of them were for unblocked. So he's not consistently winning on the edge. He's a speed rusher that would get up the, up the field, but he's a, not a guy that consistently creates his own. So um, he's not a, uh, to me, I think in terms of, in terms of if he's a scary guy, he has ability. I think we've seen that in the past. It just hasn't happened at all this year. And it hasn't happened actually really for the past two years, um, for the Kansas City Chiefs from, from Frank Clark. I never really liked, uh, that move and the way it got put together for the Chiefs, but he is John Costco, senior analyst from PFF. If you were not following and it, it strikes me because, um, and this is the thing, you know, not only does John, you know, bring you the great insight from the PFF perspective, Josh is a good, good dude. And um, I, I love our time together. I love our shows together. Um, and again, as always with Lockdown Browns, a lot of the great stuff you guys don't necessarily get um, because it's either done pre-show or post-show. Um, maybe one day we'll find a way to incorporate that in. And, you know, <laughs> but, all, but make sure you're following at John Costco 3 show itself uh lockdown browns a follow back account um dms are open uh me personally at jeff underscore lj underscore lloyd uh dms are open over there as well uh so make sure uh you know taking care of all of that 
uh, iTunes, Spotify, Lockdown Browns, subscribe, five-star ratings, hook up your guy. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic as we continue um, enjoying the Pittsburgh moment and getting ready for the Kansas City Chiefs. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dogbound. LGB on the LLB. Let's go, Brown.